Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think you have to be the person that you are because players are very smart individuals. I can promise you that, and especially our group of players who had in their careers a lot of good coaches. So they found out quick, are you fake or are you real? När Malmö FF i juni presenterade en ny tränare efter sparkade Magnus Persson var Ove Rössler ett namn som ingen hade räknat med. Den tidiga Premier League och Bundesliga-spelaren inledde förvisso sin tränarkarriär i Norge men tog steget över till England 2011 och hela tiden siktat uppåt och drömt om att återvända till Tyskland och ta hand om en tysk klubb. Men nu får Rössler ta vägen dit via Malmö FF och Allsvenskan och även Europa League. Vanligt inleder vi podden med fakta ute. Age? 49. Where do you live? Malmö. Family? Wife and two kids. Education? Football manager or football coach. Salary? Private. Car? Very happy with our way. Hobbies? Golf. Languages? At the moment more English than German. Who would you see as the best football player through all ages? Maradona. What's the biggest experience you've had in uh, regarding football? Um, last international game for East Germany and Belgium. Historically, uh, a very important game um, and obviously also the first time I played in Wembley with 
Brentford in the playoff final. Which uh, prize uh, do you value the most in football that you've won? Uh, being the Hall, Hall of Fame in Manchester City. I think that you have a favorite team. Which is it and why? Um, Manchester City. Because of uh, my time I spent over there and the relationships I built. Over a long career, uh, who was the best player you played with? Um, Michael Balak. And uh, what, who was the toughest opponent you had? Desai, Marcel Desai. Do you have a goal that you bring out on YouTube to get in uh, good uh, spirits? A goal? Yeah, a goal or something, or a tackle or uh, anything. Um, I was as one a funny moment when I was on the sideline for Wigan against um, who was it against Derby and uh, opposition player Russell the winger slided and slided into me and and I fell full over and uh, in my suit and so there was a, a moment of of happiness for a lot of Derby supporters. What was your best subject in school? History. A word you use too much? Massive. What do you regret buying? As a former pro football player, I guess you bought a lot of stuff. Um, regret buying. Uh, I went once, uh, uh, my first time to New York, and I was overwhelmed about the city. And the pound sterling was very good cost to, to the dollar, and I bought so many things I never used. So I regret that. When was the last time you were really happy? Uh, I try to be happy every day because life is too short, but uh, the last real day of happiness was when we beat Besiktas. Uh, which has been your toughest crisis? Um, diagnosed with cancer. When was the last time you cried? Diagnosed cancer. You came to Malmö and you've had uh, great results. Uh, you've only lost a couple of times, once in Europe and once in Allsvenskan. And uh, what have you done? Be myself, use my experience, and found a group of players and a group of staff who bought into to my ideas. Uh, I read an interview in, in Guardian that, apart from Leeds United, you've done really good results as a manager and that you know that you can affect a, a club, but that you were in a situation you wouldn't take any job, not like a suicide mission is what you used. Uh, how come you ended up picking Malmö when they contacted you? I think uh, there was a, the interview was referred, obviously, uh, about uh, the short spell at Leeds. And, uh, and I think uh, I'm a fan of English football and you are a Leeds supporter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when you have the chance to manage Leeds United uh, and even with, with uh, Massimo Cellino on, on the helm, uh, you still take a chance. Would I do that today again? Probably not. Uh, but I think the uh, opportunity, calibre of the club, the history of the club was too good to turn down. And uh, that is what I meant with that suicide mission. Okay, but when Malmö reached out to you, uh, I know Olga Harreide, who's also been in Molde, he was one of the 
people who mentioned you. How how did you react when they contacted you? I was a little bit surprised because I was uh, I had uh, just had two opportunities uh, where I just missed out on German football, and um, I then returned from Germany and two or three days later got a phone call uh, from Malmö. So from my time in Norway, I knew how big Malmö is in terms of stature of the club, in terms of ambition, in terms of history, and also in terms of what opportunities this club can give you as a coach. And I was very curious of what the board uh, can tell me, what the plans are, and um, under those meetings and conversations, uh, I decided pretty quickly that's a great opportunity for me. Because if you look at your training career starting in Norway and moving over to England, and you've been open that you really want to go to Germany. Feels like a detour of ending up in Malmö. No, I think uh, I think uh, I seeing it as a as a another step forward uh, in my coaching career. Um, Malmö allows me to play for titles, what the most of the clubs I had um, uh, didn't do. Um, I, I have a chance to win something here, I have a chance to get into Europe, what we achieved. Uh, I have a chance to build a team um, and can measure yourself against top opposition in Europe, what makes you as a coach better. And uh, for me, I'm very happy that I signed the two and a half year contract. You beat uh, Besiktas at a magical evening here at the stadium. Now you're playing Sapsport. You know Norwegian football very well. How, how special will that be? Uh, to be fair, uh, I was very, very happy when I saw the result of Sashburg against Genk. So that result tells everything to my players. I think tells everything to our supporters. Uh, how tough that uh, that team or that evening will be. And uh, But first we have Hammarby. I think it's important now that we uh, not uh, think too much ahead. But that we take every game after each other and then try to maximize our energy and concentration for each game. How difficult it is to balance between Europe and Allsvenskan? How, how do you handle that as a coach? As a coach, I think, um, as a coach, you, you know all the facts. You know that you have this year 51, 51 competitive games compared to No Shopping, where one player criticized us, they have only 34 games. So we know when we have 50 plus games a season, uh, that means Malmö FF doing really well. Um, the only thing I was surprised on when I came to Malmö was the summer schedule we had since I arrived because of the World Cup. That was, uh, especially the first block of games was brutal. And I have to give my players and my staff a massive compliment um, how, how we came through this. I think not any our Swedish team could have juggle uh, both journeys the way we did. Uh, it was a massive effort for the players. And um, especially when you also see we had injuries in certain, in certain areas where we, where we struggled at times. But we came through it and that's all about a club like Malmö um, try to achieve year in, year out uh, 50 plus games. Uh, looking at you, you're playing for Europe and you're for next season, I mean, being in top three, 
would guarantee a place. Top four, there's an opportunity. There's also the, the cup this spring. How important is it to be able to play in Europe 2019 also? Of course, it's our, it's our, it's our goal every year, you know. And uh, when I came, we was number 11th in the league, with no, number 10th with 11 points behind. Um, kept on going, kept on winning, 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 but we also saw that Oikor didn't drop any points. Credit to them, I have to say, they're playing a fantastic season and, and uh, they are uncatchable for us. Um, throughout the whole games in Europe, um, it got tough with the injuries we had as well, uh, but we're still hanging in there. I think the race is not over there for the second or third place. I think we play Hammerby now on Saturday, what is a crucial game. And um, we see after that where we are. I think uh, we will fight. Um, we have uh, 10 games in 2018 to go, competitive games, and we try to try to win them all. Malmö FF is an ambitious club. They're talking about winning the league, if not every year, almost every year, playing in Europe, hopefully winning the cup and also bringing in young players. That's the, their aims, what they've said. What did they say to you when you met this? in the beginning of June or, uh, or if it was in the end of May? Malmö Altivina. So that's what you know, Altivina. <laughs> that's what they told me. No, I, mean, I think is, uh, when, you, when, you, when you sign as a, as a coach uh, for Malmö FF, of course, uh, your duty is to win uh, most of the games. And um, obviously the club wasn't winning before I came. Um, we changed that. Now it's about what I always say is about consistency of what you do, um, how you approach your job day to day, um, how you tackle the games game by game. And that is now our challenge going forward also for this end of the season, but also for the next season. And when we do that in a manner like we did that now in the last four months, four and a half months, then I think we will fight next year for gold. If we for everyone who followed Malmö FF, they had a tough uh, spring and then they've changed and taken a lot of points. Could you point, pinpoint like three things that you've changed or that you've emphasized to make this uh, change? I don't know. Uh, oh, you must know something that you've done. I think I clarified jobs. And uh, I think that is, a, that is what I've learned uh, over nearly 15 years coaching. I think when you're going into a job, um, you need to clarify the jobs. The jobs of the players? For the players and for the staff. So for the staff, they got, you do this, you do that, and also no, for I the players? No, uh, I think we, we dedicated certain, certain rules and responsibilities to players and also staff. Uh, say, for example, um, Olaf, who one of my assistants, is completely responsible for all set pieces. He has to analyze going back, I don't know how many games, but uh, hundreds of uh, corners and free kicks, who has first contact, who has second contact, first phase, second phase. So there's a lot of research has to be done and I think um, he's doing that fantastically. There's a reason why we're pretty strong on, on set piece apart from the hacking game. And uh, so clarifying jobs for players and staff, I think that was, that was one of the reasons. And uh, looking into young players, one 
a couple of years ago, Malmö talked a lot about we have to get our young players. We have we have an academy which brings out a lot of talents. And looking at your starting 11s, they're pretty old. Uh, the average age for your starting 11s. I would 11. never call my players old. Okay. I think I would call my players experienced. Okay. There you have an experienced, and if you look at the age, uh, it's a little bit higher than usual. Yeah, and um, I'm completely agree with you. Uh, but Daniel made me aware, uh, in comparison to FC Copenhagen, in comparison to Rosenborg, Trondheim, uh, we're in a similar category. I was very surprised about that. Uh, nearly every team I had had a, a younger average age um, from the playing stuff. For me, it's, it's not about first 11. For me, it's always about the squad. Uh, to play for Malmö is very, very tough to coming out from the under-19s, going right into the first team and play week in, week out. It's nearly impossible. The guys who are achieving that, like Matthias Swanberg, get sold for 5 million euros. So th that's the difference. Uh, is that uh, a challenge then, to have an academy and to keep those players kind of happy that they see that it's a possibility for me to play out here? Of course, they have a, a possibility. Uh, now and then they get a, they, they get a um, experience to play for Malmö. What is very important is for them is a big step already from the training culture. Training culture in youth football, development football, and training culture on the sharp end is completely different, in my opinion. Uh, that's the first step they do. They train with us at least for one year. And then we see uh, they are close to get more playing time in our club, or we giving them the second way we loan them out for under six, six months or 12 months, and, um, and then see how they develop, are they making their mistakes in other places. And, uh, and then when they're doing really well, uh, they're coming back to us and play in our team. Is that a good way of loaning that, to loan players to other clubs? I think that's the only way for a club like Malmö who has to win every year. So there is not much room for error. Um, I think there's a reason why Malmö has recruited in the past very experienced players who are coming from big clubs in Europe who knows how to handle uh, pressure. The shirt uh, in our stadium can at times can be very heavy. The pressure is on. And natural players who experience a lot in their careers, they can handle those situations uh, really well. And um, it's all about a good balance, in my opinion. Uh, you can't have, the team cannot be too young or too experienced. I think we have to have a good mix and that is what we try to do. Uh, Max Rosenberg is doing really well, very experienced player, we don't say that he's old. And um, how is your discussions going? I know that you want him to continue and I know that you said to him that uh, keep on playing because you wanted to keep on playing. I admire him uh, for the fact that he, um, he has that inner drive and that inner drive uh, you can't train, um, you have it or you don't have it, you love the game or you don't. And um, Marcus, um, he has it. And uh, you could uh, see it, for example, on the Besiktas game. He always can raise it at special occasions. He goes in beyond the red line. I call it always the red line. And um, Marcus can't do it every three days. Uh, but it's, it's, we don't ask him to do that. I think it's very, very important for, for me as a coach, I think for the team, but also for the club to convince Marcus uh, that he is that he is in the prime of his career. That he still should at least play um, one more year, and 
give the club and give himself also a smooth transition to a new life. What do you think the chances are that we'll see Marcus Rosenberg in this stadium next year? I don't know. I can't uh, give you any indication. I think in the moment he's uh, in a in a in a position where he covers all uh, information regarding next year. Uh, from me, from Daniel, from Niklas, and then he make a decision, and I'm sure he made the right decision with his family. Now you've been here a couple of months, and you've kind of have a good view of both the club and the squad and everything. What do you want for 2019? What have you said to Daniel Andersson? We need uh, this and this to really challenge Oiko. Um, I think we are in a period of games where we are so much focused on, on every game. Of course, we already spoke uh, uh, possible recruitment targets for next year. Of course, we have, we have talked about um, the fixture list or the, the, the schedule what can come up with possible European games in, in February. Uh, but um, my main focus, my whole energy um, is on the last 10 games. And then we take what comes after uh, for next year uh, regarding recruitment, regarding preparation, uh, regarding targets. Uh, we do that. But you have to start already now. I, I talked to Daniel Anderson. He said he was scouting a player today uh, away. And uh, so you must be. Of course, be involved, but it's not my main, my main uh, focus now. My main focus now is Hammarby. How do you, coming to Allsvenskan, we in the media, we're much closer than like in, in England. How do you like it? What do you mean with much closer? I, we get closer. We interviews closer than okay, maybe in England mean. and okay. uh, I mean interviews with players and I mean the distance between the media and the football industry in England is yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot bigger. How okay. do you, uh, it, it, it's a new that, culture. It's, no, it's not new because I had the same in, in Norway for six years as a coach. So in Norway even started off and journalists came into the dressing room. So uh, that was a little bit too much I felt. But in general as a coach I learned I learned uh, uh, that culture, um, that society, um, and uh, and I think for me uh, that makes me also a better coach um, to go into different nations, to different football cultures, and and learn to adapt um, on certain things. And um, that is obviously one thing what is completely different to English. Uh, you don't read Swedish, so how do you follow the Swedish media? Uh, to be fair, I can read a little bit, so I think I understand what I have to understand. Okay, because uh, I don't know if you referenced to a Norshaping player talked about you and that was in the he media. He didn't talk about me. No, he talked about you as a club, Malmö FF. Uh, and uh, I guess that, did you read that or did someone tell you? I think I read it, so I was very surprised that at the time that the player talked about our football club when we not even have played them. So, but you like to to go in uh, to ask questions on your own. Uh, I asked you a question when you were on a headset, and you yeah. asked me back. And uh, you like to have that dialogue. I like it Defin too. So definitely, I think uh, I think uh, it's definitely I think uh, I have respect for the job the journalist does because I think it's very important that that uh, you try to build a, an open and fair relationship, but that also allows you. Uh, do sometimes also ask questions back when you feel this may be needed. 
something that's also special here in uh, in Malmö and some other places in Sweden, fans. I mean, yeah. it's a fan culture that will, is uh, kind of an envy for a couple of leagues. Uh, how do you compare it to Malmö compared to being in England or in Germany that you played, even though it's a long time ago? Yeah, I said um, as a player, I always liked. I was a fan of English football because of the atmosphere, uh, because of the singing. And um, and I said it yesterday in a board meeting, I think um, you get the best out of Uwe Rössler as a coach uh, when Uwe Rössler works in a in a proper football environment, in a proper football town uh, where football means everything. And exactly that Malmö gives me. And um, to experience the Besiktas game, uh, what was special, but also experience our home crowd um, every another week um, makes me really happy and, and, and brings the best out of me. I think that gives me motivation, that gives me drive to do my job as good as possible. Has it surprised you that Swedish football is this uh, so many fans and this uh, passion and uh, atmosphere? Um, no, because uh, I know a little bit about uh, Swedish football, but um, I think uh, the, Malmö, the Malmö supporters was exactly that what I hoped they will be because I heard about their passion uh, before. And um, I think uh, every, every person connected to our football club could call himself privileged to work for Malmö FF uh, for those people. Uh, looking at the, the way you've, you've been in Sweden a couple of months, is it anything, any team or any that has, that has impressed you? Um, from the outside, I was thinking, uh, when I came to Osvenskan, it's a lot 442, 442, 442, and Osvenskan really surprised me in the fact that is you get challenged, uh, different setups, different way of playing. I think Östersund in the past uh, uh, and today with Ian, they're doing a, a very good job, very good job, I think. And um, and I think that's I like that that you uh, in League One, for example you face a similar style of opposition week in, week out, or every three days. So, and I think when you do that for a time, you stale as a coach. You need to, need to get a new challenge. And that is what Alsvenskan gives me now. I, new players, new style of play, new formations to cope with and outmaneuver them with the players we have. Uh, that, is, that is fun. As a coach, how do you look at the, the way in Sweden use of artificial turf? Uh, I think it's seven or eight teams that have an artificial turf th that you go to and play. How do you, what is the impact of that? It's simple. I like it or I don't like it. That doesn't matter. It's simple for our football club. When we want to be competitive and win the league each year, we need to get on with it. And it's simple as that. We need to win those games. Which relationship do you have with Swedish football? I mean, you were, you were a player for a long time and then a, a coach. I got a taste in uh, when I played. I really enjoyed my, my, last, my last time in Lillestrøm as a player before I got sick. I really enjoyed uh, the Norwegian league, but also then we had experience um, as a player with La Manga tournaments. Uh, I think I had a fight with Majostovic from Malmö and got sent off. We both got sent off and Markus Rosenberg played one of his first games as a young player in that game. And all of my assistants played another centre-half and we smashed each other. So uh, 
but the real experience with Swedish football I got through the Royal League, where we did with Lillestrøm, we had the only Norwegian team who ever came in the final, and um, unfortunately Stola beaten us in extra time. Um, with FC Copenhagen? With FC Copenhagen, okay. but those, those was the real experience with, with Swedish football, but I think uh, Swedish football have moved on a lot, like, like you said before, when you see infrastructure, the stadiums, you see the crowd where certain clubs can, can mobilize, um, that is, I think Swedish football is, on a, is in a good way. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Snart 50-årig Ove Rössler kan reflektera över ett spännande fotbollsliv där karriären som spelare fick ett abrupt slut på grund av en otäck cancer. En fight som han vann. Trots det så fanns det ingen tvekan om att Rössler ville tillbaka till fotbollen. Under sina år som spelare i Manchester City uppnådde han kultstatus och har kvar kontakter med klubben på flera sätt. Sonen spelar i akademin och familjen är bosatt i staden. Och inspirationen som tränare hittar Rössler hos flera av de största namnen i Premier League och bland dem Manchester Citys Pep Guardiola. Looking at your uh, coaching career, you took up coaching in uh, Lillestrøm after uh, quitting as a player and uh, looking I mean Brentford and Wigan, you've been very close to big success almost taking Brentford up in the playoffs the same with Wigan and the same with Fleetwood and uh, seems like it's so such small marginals can you feel that uh, that it's small marginals from a success to being fired 
Um, being fired, I mean, uh, f first and foremost, when you're in this DNA now as a coach, you need to you need to understand that you losing your job is a normal procedure. Firing in these days is a normal procedure. That's point one. Uh, the first time when I did Lillestrøm, what I felt was completely undeserved, that was really hurting. So after the Fleetwood one, uh, it's hurt not anymore so much because I, I that's part part and parcel of our game. Uh, our society in general is very impatient. Social media plays a massive massive fact and the earlier you get to terms with it the better it is as a coach and um, like you said um, each club apart from from Leeds I, I approved improved immediately every club a win percentage over 40 percent for most of the clubs I inherited in a relegation battle or lower midfield position so uh, as a as a coach in those big big games like Wembley finals and uh, uh, playoff finals or I remember with, with Brentford the last game in the season in the 94th minute the penalty who wins your automatic promotion and you put that penalty on the bar so uh, you and need they score the, the goal was not uh, the goal was not important uh. so because we wouldn't have gone up anywhere uh, with a nil nil so but you need in those moments, key moments, you need also a little bit luck. But the more often you be there, eventually it will go your way. But uh, there's so much impatience. It, doesn't that frustrate you? I mean, you do really well in Wigan and then seven months later they fire you because... No, it's, uh, I think, uh, of course, when you're analyzing, analyzing each situation, each situation is different and each club is different. So, um, but for me, I understand how the business works. And for me, that doesn't... That doesn't um, that doesn't uh, scare me off anymore. Put it that way. But I feel, I feel, for the young generation coaches who are coming up, especially in the UK, and try to get a foot in in in, in league football. Um, I can see that they get they get scared off of that. Yeah, it's a merry-go-round, and I I read that after one job you started or at least thinking about doing a master in sporting directorship and that you, you talk about that there must be an absolute chemistry between the sporting director and the coach and uh, to build a short, medium, long term. Uh, otherwise the coach is just firefighting. And then I wonder, how is it working in Malmö with you and Daniel Andersson? Are you? Yeah, I think uh, I've um, always tried to educate myself in between jobs. So after the uh, after the Leeds job, um, I uh, signed up for a sporting director course, um, who I felt I wanted to see, to learn the another side uh, of the of the football, um, dealing with board, um, dealing with the boardroom, dealing with agents, um, dealing with finances. And uh, but my passion, to make it absolutely clear, is my passion is coaching. I want to stay on the sideline. I don't want to do Daniel's job. Um, in general, I, Daniel is the sixth uh, sporting director I work with. And I think the model between a head coach and a sporting director or the head coach and director of football, whatever you call it, in my opinion, is, absol is absolutely needed. Especially when you talk about England, where you have a single ownership. 
in most of the clubs where you need somebody between the owner and the coach who can puffer, uh, help uh, uh, in certain situations. And um, for me, the relationship between head coach and sporting director is the most important one in a football club. Uh, one is responsible for short term and medium, and the number one is responsible for medium and long term. They need to be on the same page and they need to have a general uh, uh, understanding of the same style of play and the same category of players to go for. And also, I think there must be a, a natural chemistry between them uh, to make that job work. How involved are you if, when you recruit Anders Christiansen this summer? Are, are you really involved and do you meet the agent and do you know the finances? The deal was already made uh, before I came and, and I'm very, very happy uh, the quality Daniel brought in with AC. He's a, he's a fantastic player. But looking forward, will you be involved in, in the finances or will you just tell Daniel this is the type of player I want? Or how I think we will uh, be discussing uh, our needs. Uh, for next season in terms of uh, position, um, in terms of structure in, in our squad uh, and, and obviously that makes no sense when the club uh, sign players up with not me agreeing on the player or not, not agreeing. Um, I think there must be a, a common sense used between both of us and, um, and of course I have a, um, input in, um, in the signings, in the players who will come to the club and who will go. If you look uh, at football, in other countries it's very common that the coach brings uh, assistance. Yeah. You came alone, how come? Yeah, how come? I think um, it's also once the, the club asked me to evaluate the staff, like I have to evaluate the players. Um, um, I did that in the past, it's not scared me off. Um, I think sometimes you challenging me more because I have to even adapt more to the people around me. Um, I think sometimes it's very important to to keep people and not bring your own people with because for me as a new foot as a new country as a new football culture, uh, I needed uh, as many information I can get about players, about teams, about certain situations. And, um, and this is why I was more than willing um, to continue with the coaches, to continue with all the stuff around me. And, and, um, yeah, and I'm very happy because the stuff bought really in, in, in what I tried to achieve. But wouldn't it be good to bring at least one assistant? It's a tough world. And I mean, as you talk about the pressure and uh, there's not always that much loyalty because you're maybe loyal to a job or a club or something. Wouldn't it be good to have one person that I can really trust? I think in our club there is loyalty, so put it that way. And um, But I know what you mean. Um, I think sometimes you don't have the time to adapt to people and, and try to find about people and, and ways to work. Sometimes you need to, to be there immediately. I think it's, um, it's important. You have to have a feeling and uh, I felt there was a was calculated risk and, and I took it and it's paid off. And um, we see what will happen next year. And, uh, but there might be changes in No, the but uh, what I want to say is I'm really happy with, with, uh, with how the players and the staff um, 
commit themselves, but you never know. Maybe people, not only players, are interested from our in, for our clubs, from our squad, but maybe also staff members get it, maybe headhunted to our clubs. You never know. Uh, in Sweden, you sometimes think that they, there isn't this impatience as in England Championship, where they change coaches all the time. But going three years back, you're the fifth coach in, in Malmö. There's been Åge and there's been Alan Kuhn and there's been Magnus Persson and also Daniel Andersson as a caretaker. <laughs> in, in a, are you surprised and what pressure do you feel in that rotation? I mean, I'm I'm used to pressure. I'm I think, like I said before, uh, I need an environment, uh, uh, a football town, where is natural pressure, uh, where the, also the supporters uh, demand performances and demand uh, results. Uh, that counts for me. That like it counts for the players. It's the same. I'm driving on that. I'm not scared of that, and um, I enjoy my work. Uh, and I think. Uh, in our football club, there is uh, football fagele folk who can ev they can evaluate your work, your work you do day by day, and uh, most likely that will re uh, result into the results on the pitch. And when there is a spell when you not win every game and when you have a, uh, difficulties to overcome, I think that will help uh, the leaders to evaluate my job. I think everyone who follows Malmo has read that you admire Jurgen Klopp and that kind of football and so on. And what football would you really like Malmö to play? I think uh, I admire Klopp for, for certain ways, the way he plays. Uh, I also admire Pep for, Pep the, for the beautiful football. I admire Mourinho for the cynical approach at times, what is needed. So I try to get the recipe, uh, my own recipe, uh, my own creation of coaching and style of play, but I obviously orientate myself on the on the on the top football in the world. Yeah? And um, as a coach is, and I have a little bit of experience by going to different type of teams. Um, like I said before, most of my teams had been a younger average age, so you could play a different type of football. Uh, Malmö is a little bit like Wigan, where it was a, a little bit a more experienced squad of players, players who experience a lot in their careers. And um, then you have to find a way to get the best out of, out of those group of players. And that is the key. Uh, you have to have certain ideas of football, but also the key is to get the best out of your players and to get your best players on the pitch. I came here and I didn't know we play three in the back. So, but I saw the team, I saw the first two or three weeks in training, I saw the first one or two games we played and then I found out that is the way going forward and it's worked really well. Uh, but that doesn't mean we play next year the same way. So um, we've, we have a plan, uh, but we also need to uh, try to adapt to bring the best out of people around you. Uh, you have a long experience as a player. Is there any coach that you really this is the one I want to model myself from that I had as a as a player. He was good in different ways. Otto Rehagel. What, what did Otto Rehagel had? He was I think, coach uh, in Germany and Greece. I think uh, in the modern in the modern football, um, there is no more secrets uh, in terms of coaching, in terms of uh, trainings, methodics. Uh, there there is not any more so many percentage to gain. The most percentage you gain is. Uh, management and how to get the best out of individuals, 
how to deal with each individual. Uh, and I think uh, the best man-to-man -man manager I personally had was Otto Reago. Um, phenomenal person. Uh, he, he, he made feel everybody very important, and um, even when you're not played every week. And, uh, and I think in this DNA, I think that is a must, is massively important to have those qualities to inspire not only your players, but also inspire the staff to get the best out of people. Uh, when you talk about Pep and Klopp and all those, is it possible to bring that football to Allsvenskan? We see when Malmö have been out in Champions League and met some of the top teams, it's been a big difference. Is it possible to dream of football like that in Allsvenskan? I think it's, it's, uh, your question is divided in two things. One thing is the adaptation in, in Europe and then another thing is to bring uh, the beautiful football into Alsvenskan. I think you can bring beautiful football into Alsvenskan, uh, but the core of players and the quality of players you have will probably not allow you to play that sort of football uh, against Bayern Munich So in Europe. So uh, I think um, for us, in Malmö it's very important that we get challenged through Europe because we saw it against Genk, we saw it also against Besiktas in the first 15-20 minutes. The tempo and the athleticism and the speed with the ball and without the ball uh, is much higher than Alsvenskan. Much higher. And for us in both games we needed, in the beginning of each game, we needed time to adapt to that. When we be more often in Europe and be more often exposed to that sort of quality, we can take that experience into Alsvenskan and that makes us even more competitive in Alsvenskan and, and, and that is what, what we're driving on is, is the financial side to play in Europe but very much so the, the learning curve, uh, the development and the experience we gain out of those games. Uh, if you uh, read about your leadership style there is a famous incident or infamous incident in, in Norway when you, the players practice very late at night. Uh, you, re you remember, I guess. Uh, I remember the incident, but what, that, what has that to do with leadership? With, no, with but how has your leadership developed after that? Because I don't think Malmö players are practicing that much at night. I think there was, a, there was an incident that, in my opinion, has nothing to do with general le leadership. No, but your leadership has probably developed after that. Uh, developed, uh, I think. Uh, I think there was a necessary situation we had to cope with and deal with, and we did it now and then because on the next day we couldn't deal with it because it was the 17th of May, and every person who knows Norway. the 17th of National May day. means exactly. So we had to deal it now and then. Um, my my leader, the the way I lead is I lead by my experience my experience of 30 years professional football and our upbringing in a professional, very professional environment in the elite school of, of, of sport. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I believe in myself that I'm a good learner and I learn quick. Uh, and I try to do the mistakes I did in the past, not do them too often again. And, and that is how I lead. If you talk to players in Malmö, they say you're very straightforward, maybe more straightforward. Uh, they said it was 180 degrees from uh, Magnus Persson to, uh, in a way, also tough. Uh, how do you, do you recognize yourself in that? 
I think uh, I think it's two different things. I think there is a again is a is a, is a is a great challenge for me um, how English players and Scandinavian players there's a, there's a difference in the way each player uh, can receive messages and can handle messages and uh, and but in general I think you have to be the person that you are because players are very smart individuals. I can promise you that, and especially our group of players who had in their careers a lot of good coaches. So they found out quick, are you fake or are you real? And when you be real, you have to be honest. And players find out, are you honest or are you not honest? And I think for me, uh, in an appropriate way, the players always need a fair feedback. Good, bad, indifferent, doesn't matter. And I think the players can handle it as long as you as a coach, you're fair and uh, to, fair, to be fair as most as you can be. Because football is sometimes people think, oh, he isn't fair because he's not playing me. Um, but you have to be honest to them. And I think honesty is the most important thing for a coach. Uh, being brought up in East Germany, I guess that wasn't, uh, it wasn't possible maybe to challenge uh, the the coaches at the no, elite no. school and no. then uh, having a career both in Germany and England in, in the old school days. I guess you didn't maybe challenge, his, challenge the manager and there were hair dryers and things like that. How, how has that affected you as a coach? Uh, I, think, uh, I think I'm very privileged to, to have the opportunity to live in two political systems. and. Um, um, obviously, your upbringing is forming you and your character and, um, and your DNA. And, uh, but also having the f living in the free world now for over 20 years has also given you a, a lot of experience and a lot of uh, um, things what is important on your way to be a good coach. And um, that that basically formed me as a person who I am. If a player in Malmö makes a mistake, is it does he get the hair dryer or uh, depending? Depending, I think uh, I think in general uh, human beings uh, responding more to positive feedback than to hair dryers. But I think now and then a good hair dryer is is needed. You will soon be turned fifty. Uh, that's. Uh often the time maybe when you start reflecting on life and thing and you also had a various experience with a life-threatening disease uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that you got uh, how has that affected you it's not affected me as a, in my character uh, it's affected me in the way i look at certain things i think uh, is it's very important that you live life and then before my illness, um, I didn't sometimes enjoy life as much as I do now. So I think I found a better balance between working and also live life. Um, but in the way I, I go about my job, about my ambitions, about my character, about my drive, uh, nothing has changed. Uh, you were an elite football player playing for Lillestrøm. You scored a goal in the first game of the season when you got the uh, diagnosis. How how did you react? It going from being a top athlete to 
suddenly yeah. very ill. Yeah, I think I really enjoyed my time playing football. Uh, I, uh, I loved the competitive way that at the time was in Norway. I loved the football club. Scored 10 goals in 11 games and then that happened. I had one of the hardest pre-seasons from Arne Erlandsen, you know Arne Erlandsen uh, yeah. from Göffenborg, so uh, you know how tough he is and how hard his pre-season is. And uh, I was just looking so forward for the season and then, and then that happened. Um, that was obviously one of the worst minutes when I got told what happened. Um, but again, we human creatures, we are, we are made for dealing with massive crisis in a way. And then you, you, you learn out about yourself and you be in it. And I learned a lot about myself when I was right in the middle of it. And with the support of my family, uh, we came through this together. There's a touching story that I read about some friend uh, that called you from a Manchester City game where you were in the, in the hospital and the, all the fans in Manchester City were singing about you. Yeah, obviously, then um, that, 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 that shows you the relationship I had to, to my previous club and to, to the supporters. And obviously in the situation where I am, um, we talked about before in the interview about loyalty. And uh, I think that those supporters have shown me so much in that situation where I am, where I needed them most. And uh, that obviously helped me to overcome the illness. After overcoming the illness, was it a certainty that you would stay in football and couldn't continue as a player, but you wanted to continue as a coach? I think for me, uh, I already started um, uh, in East German times, just before unification. I started a, a coaching degree then uh, on the uh, University of Sport in Leipzig. So by then, when I was 18, 19 years old, I already thought about um, being a coach and my illness has not changed that. Um, um, I had time, I had one and a half years to make my coaching budgets, to finalize my coaching budgets and also get a little bit of distance from being a player and then to be a coach. And uh, I think that was very important. And Lilleström, one is, a, one is another club uh, who I have a special relationship to uh, in my career, uh, supported me through my illness, but also gave me the chance under difficult circumstances when the club was not in a healthy position. They trusted me and Jan Agafjotov uh, to bring the ship again in, uh, in safe water. And, um, and that's what we did and I'm really, really proud of, of what we achieved there with the club together. You're uh, really a European. Uh, you're a German, uh, working for Malmö, living in Malmö, but you also have family in, in Manchester. Uh, you have a home still in Manchester, I guess, and a son who plays for Manchester City. How, how, does, how do you support him going into this tough career? I mean, we talk about, but I, I talk about a lot in the situation where we're in with Malmö at the moment, with the game schedule, with, with the travel schedule, with with everything what we have to go through to maximize our position to win games about sacrifices. Sacrifices to the players, sacrifices to the staff. And obviously when I moved to Malmö, I, my family, myself, we have to do sacrifices. So one of those sacrifices is that we, we live apart. My wife goes back and forward. Uh, my son comes back and forward as much as he can. 
and uh, that is part of a uh, in the modern in the modern way to be a coach so um, uh, you have to when you want to have a coaching career you you have to deal with those issues and you have to have a partner and a family who support you with that and i'm very fortunate uh, to have that uh, your son is part of the manchester city academy what kind of advice do you give him i give him the advice uh, are you know the facilities uh, they have i think they have um, probably i don't know but maybe the world best facilities uh, uh, you can imagine as a young upcoming ambitious player by telling him use those use those expertise in terms of coaching uh, sports science uh, education uh, training facilities every day to the maximum because everything what you achieve uh, everything what you experience now you will never experience again and uh, and that the advice are giving him to to maximize every minute you have in that fantastic football club. It's hard uh, taking part in Manchester City, but maybe that's he knows that the football world is big. Would we? Is there a possibility we'll see him in Malmö FF? You, I don't know, but uh, I think that is that is when we talk about recruitment for next year. Uh, he's not on the list, that's for sure. Okay. Uh, and he, he was baptized, he got the name after Colin Bell. His name is Colin yeah. and you have another Tony Book, uh, also Manchester City legend that your son. How, how did your wife accept that? It's not that easy always. Uh, we, uh, we made a deal, so uh, the girl names my, my wife is, is she is choosing and uh, the boy names I choose. So um, Tony Book was one of my coaches, first team coach when I played. and. Knowing what he did as a player, seeing what he did with us, with me as a coach, uh, understand what a fantastic person he is. Um, was an honor to give my my first, my oldest son his name, and obviously Colin Bell, um, a fantastic person as well, uh, ambassador for the club, still now, and one of the greatest players, even considering the times with the players we have now at Manchester City and uh, Colin's very fortunate to have that name. Yeah, You were cult here in Manchester City, scored 64 goals on 165 games in different competitions and in the Hall of Fame. What's your relationship with that super club that it is today? It's a far from uh, main road when you played compared to today with Etihad and everything. 67 goals in 177 games. Okay. That's good that you Don't have worry. your statistics. I thought this was the correct because I took it from the Manchester City. No, it's yeah, it's from the club. Yeah, but when we talk about all competitions. So, okay, so, um, I'll, uh, I'll tell the club. Don't worry. Uh, by the way, you're very good prepared. I like that. <laughs> now, um, what was the question? Okay. Uh, the question was, how, how's your relationship with Manchester City today? It's a global brand. Yeah. They want to make it yeah, like yeah. a McDonald's yeah. for football all over the world with clubs all over the world. It's a big change from Main Road, where you played, where you were a cult hero. Yeah. Um, coming back to Mama, so the atmosphere we have here now, what I experienced here now in the home games, that was the atmosphere I experienced when I came to Manchester City. Manchester City at the time was a working class club, uh, a club for the Manchester people, who in my opinion, and not only in my opinion, is the 
is the real club of Manchester because the another club is in Stratford. Um, obviously, through up and downs, where I was also part of it, um, this club found uh, ownership, um, what the club absolutely massively benefited from, and not only the club, also the region, the community uh, in East Manchester. The owners came in to this football club and not only spend money on transfer fees, on wages, they spend equally a big amount of money on infrastructure to re uh, recreate uh, East Manchester, to bring jobs to East Manchester, to obviously then also create a football team, what globally is now a global club, is not a uh, domestic club, a club for Manchester, is globally and um, the scary thing from all of this is it's just the beginning. Uh, do you think anything is lost in the way? Um, I think for me, when you, uh, when you have seen and been part of these up and downs and you've seen uh, how loyal the support was and is, and then you see on the opposite side in Stratford, they won title after title and you, you saw how much the city supporters have suffered through through those times and you see now things have changed and uh, the happiness in the in the eyes of the supporters um, it's fantastic to see that they now experience the, the other side obviously with that amount of success and uh, globalization some things got lost yeah but uh, the main thing is uh, the joy of the supporters, um, the, the chance now to, to make Manchester City the greatest club in the world, uh, obviously with the ownership uh, from Dubai or from Abu Dhabi. And um, for me, it's just fantastic to see that, that those people are now so happy. It's, uh, they franchise clubs. It would be impossible to buy Malmö because of the 51% rule. But in theory, would you like Malmö to be part of the franchise or would you like it to be Malmö FF? I would like it to be Malmö FF. I think, um, uh, I believe uh, there can only be one Premier League and Premier League is in England. I think uh, the model, when it's for example in Germany and what is also in Malmö, where is a people's club, is owned by by the people, is not, uh, is not a uh, 51 to 49 percent shareholder. Um, I think uh, that it works really well for German football. That also works really well for Malmö. Uh, every, everybody feel ownership and part of it. And um, the Premier League is something to watch every weekend. Uh, reality is our football club, and I think it works really well. You have said that you want to go back to Germany as a coach. What's your I mean, you grew up in East Germany when the country was divided. What's your view of life in that part today when it's unified with the whole of Germany? First of all, I will make it clear is I'm very happy where I am. I have uh, uh, nearly two years to go on my contract. And um, my aim is, like you asked me before, uh, my biggest aim is to fully fill my contract. And you never know, might extend my contract. So. Coming back on your question is, yes, one day I would like to have the experience to manage in my home country. Uh, I've been out of my home country 
for quite some time. And uh, at one point, at one point in my career as a coach, I would like to challenge myself uh, and see how my uh, my philosophy, my way of playing, my way of coaching uh, works in Germany. When it will be, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty sure there will be. I don't know on which level, but I'm pretty sure it will be. But like I said, uh, for the moment, I'm really happy here. Growing up in, in the DDR, when I read interviews with you, you talk about, I mean, we couldn't leave the country because my my family would be hurt and that you thought that it was pretty good upbringing that you had. For me, yeah. Yeah. And uh, looking back now, uh, do you feel that uh, you had, you didn't have the full information when you grew up or? No, I, I think I had the full information. What I always said was uh, sports people in general was very privileged people, uh, like it is today as well in the free world, you know. So, uh, but obviously when you when you be um, um, a top sports person who was winning world championship, Olympic games, or being involved in a, in sport number one in football, um, of course you was privileged and. Um, like I said, my family didn't need to pay a penny for me to going in this elite school. Um, I got free education, didn't need to pay a penny for the education I got. Um, and when you be 11 years old, you go away from home. You're not thinking about, uh, uh, you're not thinking about politics. You think about, uh, you fully feel your dream. And my, my dream was to be the best football player I can be playing, representing your country, representing your club where you've grown up, Locomotive Leipzig on the highest level and, and make, a, make a career. And, uh, and I have to say, um, I was privileged to get that chance. And where I am today is a lot about what I got when I started with 11 years old in Leipzig. And uh, I guess you have relatives still there today and so on. What's your <laughs> view of how life has been after it's been unified? You know, for me, I was a very privileged person again because the unification came at the right time. Came when I was 21 years old, when I was at the top of my game in the league. Uh, got a lot of opportunities after that, offers from clubs and uh, the world was wide open for me. I played with players who were far better than me, far more talented than me. Uh, but then those uh, chunks in lifetime came unfortunately a little bit late for, for their careers. So um, uh, like I said, in life sometimes you need a little bit of luck as well. And uh, obviously then when you have the chunks, you need to make your own luck. And, and that is what I try to do and still try to do. So life, people in the East was differently affected by the change and by the unification. Um, the older generation, Obviously, if a lot of them lost their jobs, a lot of them lost, lost also a vision where we go from here, uh, where I am in my life and I'll be 50, 60, what is the next 20, 30 years to come, a lot of uncertainty. And, uh, but in general, the unification was the best thing ever happened uh, for whole Germany. And um, unfortunately, not everybody was, was on a fortunate side. Thank you very much for taking your time. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.
Det återstår att se om Ove Rössler lyckas med sin dröm att återvända till Tyskland som tränare. Men att han är en internationell tränare i allsvenskan, det märker man inte minst. Att Malmö FN skickade med någon som lyssnade så är det bara i den stora fotbollsvärlden. Och podden är tillbaka nästa vecka. Då är Andreas Johansson gäst. Norrköpings lagkapten som nu har bestämt sig för att vända hem till Hansa Bäcke och få hjälpa dem upp i allsvenskan återigen. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.